Hello, and welcome to Artists on Artists. It's Glassstar's video and audio podcast where we talk to Texas-based artists and art professionals in one-on-one conversations. I'm your host, Christopher Blay, news editor at glasstar.com. Today, we'll be speaking with artist Deborah Roberts, whose current exhibition, AM, is at the Contemporary Austin through August 15th. In her artist statement, Roberts writes, My art practice takes on social commentary, critiquing perceptions of ideal beauty. Stereotypes and myths are challenged in my work. I create a dialogue between the ideas of inclusion, dignity, consumption, and subjectivity by addressing beauty in the form of the ideal woman, the Venus. By challenging Venus, my work challenges the notion of universal beauty, making room for women of color who are not included in this definition. Wading through my work, you must look through multiple layers, double meanings, and symbols. My process combines found and manipulated images with hand-drawn and painted details to create hybrid figures. These figures often take the form of young girls and increasingly black boys, whose well-being and futures are equally threatened because of the double standard of boyhood and criminality that is projected on them at such a young age. The boys and girls who populate my work, while subject to societal pressure and projected images, are still unfixed in their identity. Each child has character and agency to find their own way amidst the complicated narratives of American, African American, and art history. Deborah, welcome to Artists on Artists. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk with you. Yeah, and it's really good to meet you for the first time in person. Um, I've seen your work so many times and it's, uh, it's such a great opportunity to really be in your space, be in an artist's space and see how the, the sausage is made, as they, <laughs> as they say. Well, first of all, congratulations on your show at the Contemporary Austin. It's called I'm... I'm uh-huh. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Let's jump this off with something. Cool. Great. Well, um, one of the things when I was thinking about doing this show is that most black people live in the apostrophe of the I and the M and because we live in the margins of America, the world. And what I wanted to do is discover what does that look like to be in that apostrophe, mm-hmm. the extra. And, and so all the work was exploring being seen and unseen, invisible, uh, but visible, and all those types of notions of class and race and how we, we fit in society. So I thought it was a perfect title. I really wanted to create a conversation, maybe one that people were having, or maybe we could extend that conversation. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think it turned out pretty good, I, yeah. I'm hoping. Uh, I, I don't think it's any exaggeration when I say you've, you've been blown up. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is, if I understand it correctly, this is your first solo museum exhibition. Yeah, in the state of Texas. And uh, I was listening to one of the many interviews that you've done, and you talked about uh, you were in the <laughs> real world, quote yeah. unquote, where you're working at a shoe store, right? Part time, academy, academy. academy. Yeah. yeah, shout yeah. out to academy. Right. <laughs> and uh, and then you get invited to uh, show in New York, right? 
And yeah. then, yeah, it's like uh, I got into art really late. Um, mm -hmm. By most standards, I was like 27, 28, okay. and I was studying photography and working as a valet. Mm -hmm. And then I had my first show at like at a coffee shop. Right. And then, you know, I I don't <laughs> I I haven't blown up yet. Yeah. But it's like the journey is beautiful. Like right. making that transition. How was that transition? Uh, that transition has been, you know, at times very difficult. You know, like I tell people only Amy Cheryl and I can really talk about this because I mean hers was with you know the the, the portrait of Michelle Obama and mine's with Art Palace Gallery in Houston. Um, you know, Arturo took me to New York for the Volta Art Fair and uh, everything. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to expect. I always say we were two country mouses <laughs> going up to the big city, you know. Right. And uh, we got there and at first we thought we had brought too much work. And um, we sold out that show. Then we showed out all the work we had in the gallery. Because I was having a show up right there in Houston. And then we uh, sold out my studio at home. And and after that, it just kept going. It just rolled and rolled, and it hadn't stopped yet. And I've been so happy, because I always say God, God smiled on me, and I am so very happy. You know, with that, though, comes a lot of work. Yes, I mean, oh my God. Having the demands of exhibitions, and then having to create work. Mm -hmm. I know you recently uh, put out a call for a studio so you yeah, have to keep I know, up. I know. I, I had to tell my galleries, um, look, you guys are only getting 12 works this year each, and um, I need to have an inventory. I haven't had an inventory to, since 2016. Yeah. I mean, no work. Everything that I do, we sell. And I just feel like I'm just a little little rat in that little, you know, mouse. Right. And, um, and so this time, what I want to do, um, like what you see this piece behind me, is let the work grow and mature to create more textures and patterns to the work, to, to not simplify it more, but just make it effortless in the, in the viewing process. Right. And the only way to do that is to slow the work down and really take your time in doing it. So my galleries, um, while they're not happy with that, <laughs> they, <laughs> they understand it. They understand it. Yeah. And I do have a long waiting list, and I would like to get to it, but I have to be able to do good work because yeah. it won't matter if I just have this little one moment in time and and not push this for a lifetime of you know achievement in my work. Yeah, that's a, that's a really important point. The idea of getting artists space out of that wheel, that uh, hamster wheel of <laughs> putting work out before, yeah, it's, a, it's, I mean, I'm sure you see the, the sort of blessing and curse of it, like, yeah. uh, it's like, give me a moment, let me finish I know. this. Thing. I know, the phone, I, I will say, it never stops ringing, in a way, in the sense, when you say the phone um, never stops ringing, is emails. You know, Instagram, you know, I've really used Instagram as a tool to 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 keep my work out there because I feel like sometimes I'm in I'm in Austin, Texas. I'm not in New York City. I'm not in L.A. I'm not in Philadelphia and these mega parts, Hong Kong or London. So I, I use Instagram to let people know that I'm still working, that I'm still active in my practice. Yeah. But, you know, 
with that comes a lot of responsibility of people reaching out to you mm-hmm. more and more and more and more and then just how much more can you handle. Right. But um, I think the opposite of that is nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, so I am uh, I'm okay with with it being a little stressful. Yeah. But I asked for this, so So let me take it back to the you know, the early days. You you moved from Austin to go to UNT. Yeah. And then you went from UNT for a summer in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> and then you went from Paris to San Francisco, from San Francisco to Syracuse, New York. <laughs> and then back, it's like, are you home now? I'm home you? now. Oh. I mean, I, I mean, you know, when I left Syracuse, I mean, I was an artist who didn't have a plan. But, and, and if you know me, you know I always have a plan. And for some reason, I just got stuck. Yeah. I don't know if it was the winners or whatever, Syracuse, but I just totally got stuck and I didn't know where to go. And so I figured that I always had home to go back to. So I came back to Austin. I don't know if that was my first choice, but it one of the things that coming back and struggling from grad school is that it, I was able to really deep, dig deep into the work mm-hmm. and a lot of prayer. And um, I think that struggle, that not knowing to help mature the work that I was doing in grad school. Yeah. So when the opportunity happened, I was ready for it. I mean, I don't wish that on anyone. Because <laughs> it was like, I was in this little apartment they called the dungeon. I didn't know that all the other re- residents of that apartment called that apartment the dungeon. It was always dark. Okay. It, it was never, I mean, barely no light came in. And, and I just worked. I worked, I did my big text-based works. Um, I just, and that, you know, it was a one bedroom and I did it. I I was looking at that work the other day and just, I mean, I was, it was difficult to look at because you have these names uh, on two of the pieces. On one of them, there's uh, how the, you know, Microsoft Word or whatever mm-hmm. text program highlights a word for possibly being misspelled. Right. But every name on that list right. is highlighted, mm-hmm. which made me also think about you know the way that technology works with uh, facial recognition, for right. example, where right. the data set that they use <laughs> has so few people of color right. that right. Everything comes up a glitch, so you're mm-hmm. misidentified, you're misrepresented. Right, absolutely. Yeah, so, and then on the other end, yeah, the thing that really sort of moved me was the the annotations on the names, like the things that people were well, saying. saying. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. So that was really weird, because when I first did the pieces with, when I typed them all in, I saw the red lines underneath it, and I just, I couldn't believe it. And I said, you know, that's when I knew that was the work. But when I went to go pick up the screens, you know, I had to have the screens shot here in Austin. And, you know, normally when I go in the shop, I just go to the side. I go pick up all the things I need for the last thing I get is some screens. Mm-hmm. And I guess they must have came out or something, but they were they were holding them up to the light and trying to read the names and uh, making all sorts of assumptions about these women. Oh, and I was listening to that. Um, they were unaware, of course, I was in the store. 
And then when I came up, after I couldn't take it anymore, um, they said, oh, hey, hey, Deborah, what's with all these names? Yeah, you've already decided who these women are. And now <laughs> yeah, you're you're, not, that's not curiosity. Right, right. Now you're busted. And now you want to you wanna fame, you know, curiosity, you know. So that's when I, I remember going back to my car and trying to write everything. But, you know... You, as a black woman, I don't need to remember what they say. I've heard that before. Right. And so I've heard that the notions of what they feel and think about black women. So it was easy for me to come home and write that stuff down. And then I also wanted to seem like it was in a literature, in a book, in a book form, this type of literature where someone has corrected, went in there and used a correct notice of creating these, these horrible ideas of that sounds like a hooker's name. I mean, I know this girl would never have a job, you know, things like that, that, that was so unkind, yeah. you know? And, uh, but that's something that, and then I was fresh out of grad school, so I still remember, you know, being corrected on my paper that right. I did not like. So it was this whole idea of, of how people see you and just uh, prescribe the uh, idea of you. And that's what I wanted with the script. So that work uh, I was talking with someone earlier is is just my heart, and I don't get to do it as much because the collage, you know, everybody wants to. Collage. Everybody wants to collage. Everybody wants to collages. But it, I feel like it it connects with the collage because mm -hmm. of the layers mm -hmm. and the uh, sort of the multifaceted nature of it, mm -hmm. um, which brings me back to your collage work. Um, you're, you know, there are multiple faces, multiple images mm -hmm. to create a persona. And um, it, tell me about how creating that whole out of these fractures uh, relate to how the, the subject is perceived. Right. Well, when I used to paint differently, I used to paint these beautiful black romantic pictures and idyllic ideas of, of black life. And it wasn't so far from my life, right. but everything that I saw on TV or in the news was something totally different. So how was the world seeing black people? It was yeah. a question I asked myself. And so I, I went on this quest to figure that out. And when I was at Syracuse, it the, the collages came through, you know, pretty much after doing some, a couple of paintings, and, and and trying to figure out the face. And one day I just decided to add something to the face, which was just weird. And it was, okay, this is it. And I remember going to uh, LA to see Franklin Sermons. And I only had a few done at that time. And he told me, he said, look, you gotta do at least 20 of these to figure this out because, you know, this ain't working. I mean, you know, he didn't say I was wasting his time. I felt like it. I was drenched in sweat. <laughs> um, I mean, I was like, oh, having a panic attack with Franklin Sermons. And, but the idea that he was trying to instill with me to, to go ahead and chop this stuff up and figure mm -hmm. it out. I went back. I remember going straight back to, to Syracuse and just jumping into this and just really working. And, and, and pulling this stuff together. And before you know it, the collages were coming through. Yeah. And it was a way of talking this multiplicity that mm. exists in blackness yeah. that, that we don't see. We see this monolithic idea of what, what the world thinks is blackness, but we know that the black experience is whatever the black person has. That's the black experience. And that's an individual experience. So. Yeah, and that, uh, you know, 
you're internalizing that uh, complexity, but what's reflected to the world, you know, it seems as if it's going through a prism and they're seeing something completely different. I know, I know. Like, uh, <laughs> you, I remember uh, in one of your conversations, you're talking about um, having this moment of epiphany when you're painting in the studio and uh, that incident with Meta World Peace. Yeah. On, the NBA right. player that right, right. Ron attacked Artest. someone, yeah, yeah. Ron Artest for uh, for what? Right around his face. face. You know and you can't do that. Exactly. So it, the the thing that gets repeated is uh, the reaction, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but not the cause, right? I know. Just all you saw, and and it was weird because CNN played that over and over and over again, and you would just see him jump off the table. Not the water. <laughs> him right, just jump off the table and go in, and him and uh, Stephen Stephen um, J uh, Johnson, not Johnson, but not Stephen K. Smith. I don't know, but it's Wednesday. Stephen, right, right. and he jumps up, and they go in, and Ron is first, and they just you know tear into these little frail little white bodies, and then it's this idea of this big, huge black monster coming up and attacking an innocent person. Yeah. And and that's how they saw it. and this just over a weekend, I don't know how many times I saw it because that's how I paint with the with, with the T V on. And I just for some reason what I was painting wasn't what I was seeing. Yeah. And that's when I stopped and then I started reading Cornell West mm. and Bell Hooks. And um and that really Cornell West just opened my eyes. Yeah. And the reader, I tell you, if you get a chance to open up the reader, read it. It is, um, the, the, the essay on Horace Pittman is amazing. The one on black sexuality is just, it just breaks it all down. Yeah. And then you understand, okay, well, they're never going to see this. Yeah. No one's never going to see what I'm painting. I mean, yeah, there, and I think the effectiveness of your collages and the, the scale that you, you paint with, even the compositions, they, they're very precise, like a graphic nature, like yeah. it's like saying something, using mm -hmm. the composition right. and the, the way that you're collaging these things to, to convey that message. And with that comes the complexity. Right. I think it's easy to read it and just compare it to something else that looks like a collage, but it's right. also... Right. Like if you take that time, <laughs> I and know. if you, and which is, yeah. 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 One of the things that uh, I think with collage and people might think it's so easy is because, you know, if you work really hard, you can make it look easy. Mm -hmm. But there's so much, you know, collage has used has been used for centuries for, as a way to gain agency in the world, whether it be political agency or your place as a human. But it's, it's a way of talking about things in multiple ways. And so that's why when I chose it, it's like I would say it's a four prong approach that's art history, American history, black culture, and pop culture. Those mm -hmm. things exist in all the works that I do. So how do those things merge? And when do they merge? They merge at different times, different areas, um, different different spaces. And so what I try to do um, in the work is, is try to lure you into those spaces. Try to, to not shout you down, not to tell you that history has cost us the type of trauma that we experience daily, whether it's hereditary or not, that we get less sleep 
I just shared that we get black people get less sleep than any other group. Yeah. I mean, we lose a day a week wow. in sleep. It's because the, the trauma of racism is so large and looming in our lives. And the little things that people are unaware that they do reduce us. And I just, and so, so seeing these multiple faces, what I'm asking of the audience is to, to, to make eye contact with one of them mm -hmm. and, and find the humanity that exists in all of them. Yeah. And then, and then find the individuality that exists. And then what I, then the next thing is what am I doing? What am I trying to say? And you know, yeah. that's the work, you know? Uh, I mean, there's so, <laughs> so much here, so many layers. But one of the things you talk about, the pillars that include, you know, like pop culture and uh, African-American history, mm -hmm. but you can trace a line back to, you know, Bearden and you can go mm -hmm. even back to Lawrence, mm -hmm. but it's like your figures are very kinetic mm -hmm. and it has that, uh, you're talking about the you know, the things that we inherited, but you know, uh, I was speaking with Dr. Uh, Fahamu Piku, who's mm -hmm. also an artist, and he's talking, right. introduced me to the idea of epigenetics, mm -hmm. this idea that, you know, that trauma mm -hmm. has been transferred right. Down, right. down the line, yes. but it's so uh, endemic to the figures that you construct because they're, you know, they're moving in mm -hmm. space. There's usually no context other than the figure mm -hmm. and maybe the clothing, but it's uh, connected to the culture in mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. And by even like more specifically to the Emancipation of Mimi, mm -hmm. was that the title yeah, of that, yeah. that series? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so, <laughs> so much here, so many layers, but one of the things you talk about the pillars that include, you know, like pop culture and uh, African American history, Mm -hmm. But you can trace a line back to, you know, Bearden and you can go mm -hmm. even back to Lawrence. Mm -hmm. But it's like your figures are very kinetic mm -hmm. and it has that, uh, you're talking about the, you know, the things that we inherited. But you know, uh, I was speaking with Dr. Uh, Fahamu Piku, who's mm -hmm. also an artist, and he's talking, right. introduced me to the idea of epigenetics, mm -hmm. this idea that, you know, that trauma mm -hmm. has been transferred right. Down, right. down the line. Yes. But it's so uh, endemic to the figures that you construct because they're, you know, they're moving in mm -hmm. space. There's usually no context other than the figure mm -hmm. and maybe the clothing but it's uh, connected to the culture in mm -hmm. that way mm -hmm. and by even like more specifically to the emancipation of mimi mm -hmm. was that the title yeah, of that, yeah. that series yeah. mariah carey mariah so it's from her title it's probably from a title of album and it's lauren hill so mm -hmm. I merged them together because, you know, the Mariah Carey is coming to me. Uh, so anyway, so I merged those two identities into that whole series, you know, when I thought about what I was going to do. Lauren Hill is forever black. Yes. She's proud. She, she can talk about it. She can, she can sing about it. She can check you. She, she is the epitome of the, the idea of blackness. Mm -hmm. So then you have Mariah Carey, who is part black and part white, and I yeah. think her father's black. 
and this idea of her finding her way in, in the music industry and finding her way to black women and to black men and, and being you know accepted into this love culture that we have and what that felt like. So both of these albums, you know, you know, like while they were different, they, they were the same and while they both challenged different things, I thought that that was perfect for my miseducation of Mimi because it was I it allowed me to do two hundred and ten works talking about black women and, and the lot. idea it was it was but it, yeah it it takes even more than that to fully encompass right the absolutely black experience right i was just a little surface scratch it was a little <laughs> surface <laughs> what do you have we're in your studio right now and i'm looking yeah. around what's what's happening in your studio right now well right now um i have two major shows this year plus freeze so um, we do, I never work. Listen, everybody, this is the truth. <laughs> I never work towards shows. I just work. So what we're doing right now, we're in the process of working. And I just finished up this big, big girl back here. And uh, she's going out tomorrow and off to her destination. Mm. So what we're going to do is just do some works on paper. Then we're going to start uh, four new canvases and, and just work. And um, this horrible story I just heard. Teacher made this little baby, little boy, five years old, clean a toilet, and that type of trauma, you know, that he, she's changed literally who he's supposed to be by this, this, this type of as punishment, as, as punishment, uh, yeah. And she, and the thing is, she said she don't know why she did it, why she made him clean the toilet with his hands, a little black kid. And I want to talk about this idea of how black males are challenged. So I've been listening to Juno Diaz drown yeah. and this whole idea of trying to figure out more to make my, my male figures more complex. As you can see in, the, in my studio, even now I, I just constantly use stripes and yeah. they're more than that, but, but they're seen as that. And, and and when I talk about strikes, I'm talking about the idea of criminalization, mm -hmm. you know, and, and not seeing a beautiful young person, a human who, who may be expressing his way, his, his self or his ideas in something that you culturally may not be uh, understand, but it doesn't mean he's a bad person or he should be in, in, in some type of learning disability class because he, he's not able to, he gets frustrated. And maybe instead of crying, he, he acts out, yeah. you know? And so, said, yeah, it's, forgive me for interrupting, but it's mm -hmm. the criminalization of black children. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you right. uh, suspend right. a five, six-year-old, seven, eight-year-old? Who's having a temper tantrum. Who's having simply a temper tantrum. Yeah, it's a, it's a double standard and a completely different treatment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I completely recognize that. So you're working on something in that. Yeah, I'm working on something to do. <laughs> I know that's 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 a hard subject, but it's this idea of I'm gonna play with some words, um, yeah. Robin and Hood, and 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 how those things. You know, Robin Hood was a good person. He's a thief. He stole the game for stole from the rich and gave to the poor. How can I change that around and figure that into my work? Would not without the stealing part. Right. But the idea how some people are glorified for acts of thievery. Mm -hmm. and But if it's a blackface, then it's thuggery. Yeah. So. Yeah, they study hood robbing. Yeah. And then. <laughs>
Yeah, they're steady hood robbing. Yeah. And then <laughs> they're like yeah, I know. saying, yeah, yeah, it's like mining the culture for what's uh, capitalistically beneficial, but not looking at the source of that culture, like liking one thing about it mm -hmm. and not mm -hmm. uh, embracing the other parts mm -hmm. of it. But I think what your figures represent is, uh, because you talk also in your work about your exploration or examination of beauty, mm -hmm. uh, the sort of the Venus ideal versus mm -hmm. what black people experience, black women mm -hmm. in particular. In particular. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you about that. Do you see your work as a redefinition of beauty or like presenting the proper way of like understanding beauty, you know? right? I, I think it's it's like I talk about is the duality. It's it, you know it really is beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But but as Baldwin says, what made black people think that having nappy hair, big lips, wide nose was something ugly? You know where that comes from. Right. And so well, we see beauty differently. You know, we see the beauty in Mary McLeod Bethune, who people may think is not unbeautiful. Um, and she is amazing. She he's beautiful in the way that she she led people to 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 a different type of thinking. Mm -hmm. So that's beautiful to me, you know. So so in the work I'm thinking, I'm trying to say that maybe this blonde hair, blue eyes may be beautiful to you. But I but people like dark skin and brown eyes and, and white lips and noses is beautiful also. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both at the same time, equally beautiful. Yeah. And I think that comes with socialization and representation. Right. right, absolutely. If you don't see yourself in a setting that is presented as beautiful, right. then you're gonna, that absence is in itself the dramatic right. experience. Uh, absolutely. And I think at eight years old, which most of my girls are eight years old, um, that's when you start coming on your idea of self. Mm -hmm. You know, how you want to dress differently, how you want to look, how you want to perceive, how you want to be called. All these things, you know, maybe I want to dance, maybe I want to read a lot of books, you know, whatever the idea of girlhood is, that's when it starts to mature and come through. And if someone tells you that the only thing that people admire is the video vixen mm -hmm. or or some, you know, you know, person um, who has been stereotyped so badly on a TV show and everything that is right and beautiful in the world has blonde hair and blue eyes and she's marvelous. Who do you aspire to be? Yeah. Not the not the, the, the video vixen or not the, the stereotype sexless best friend who never have a family, you know, who who is there to support the the ingenue, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so those ideas of, of beauty that I'm trying to dispel those myths. Yeah. There are parts of your work where you're physically present, like your your eight year old self, mm -hmm. uh, their images. How how does that relate to the the way you want to this work to uh, present to your audience. Right, well, I had to, I'm one of four girls in my family, and I remember how I wanted to be different. My mom would always buy the same dress with different colors. Mm. It was the same dress, you know? <laughs> and uh, I always thought about, I, you know, I wanted to be something different. I didn't want that same dress. And so what I try to do, when I when I started de deconstructing these faces, was 
I was so unfamiliar with that little girl. It was easy for me to go back and, and kind of rip this apart and, and you know, deconstruct it and then reconstruct it. And also in the process now, that's four years later, I'm seeing that I was kind of going through a little therapy there. And I didn't know that because some of them, I kind of scratched out the eye. Some of them, I, I put tape on the mouth. It was just, I didn't feel like I had a voice in my family of eight children. So all those things were kind of coming through the work. And when I can look back on it, yeah, that's what I was doing. I was figuring out how I was, how I existed at that eight-year-old time and how some girls today may feel. And that's what you have in my work. Like this is uh, a piece with five images in it and the two little girls um, in the front that are pushing forward mm -hmm. into the film and to the, the audience. They are so happy and and then you have the little girl in the back who's her hand on her hip saying like, what's going on, you know? <laughs> you know? And this was like, you know, whatever. So again, I have Baldwin's hand and I have all these things that, that pull history into the work and, and how that is present. Um, Oakley just had his anniversary of his uh, death and, you know, I have Oakley's hands in the work. So how important he was in the whole construction of globally seeing blackness. Mm -hmm. And so all those things, you know, work into the work and also my life a little bit. And so that's why it was important for me, I guess, not knowing, you know, hindsight's, you know, 2020, to do my face first yeah. and figure it out. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so many layers here. Yeah. So, so many yeah. beautiful things. I want you, if you can, to break down your process because it's a, a combination of collage, a combination of painting. Mm -hmm. um, you do make it look really easy, <laughs> but from my own little experience with trying <laughs> yeah. to put together a collage, right. I know. Yeah, it can uh, be massive. Yeah. I mean, you know, not the technical aspect, but maybe just like your your mindset when you're like constructing these images with mm -hmm. colors, uh, patterns, selecting images, where to paint, where not to paint, that sort of thing. Right. So, you know, we have a picture that we're going to show you where I go in. Once I decide what image I'm going to do, I go through it and I do a little step by step. This is going to be collage. This is going to be painting. This is, you know, I have. I don't want. I want the picture to have eighty-five percent collage, and uh, the rest in uh, painting. Now that number is slowly pushing down because I, I'm from a painterly background. Yeah. So now I went from eighty-five to sixty-five. <laughs> but I got to keep it within that that percentage because, you know, the whole idea of 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 talking, like I talk about. A multiplicity is keeping the, the different zones going in the face, especially. And um, so I do a lot of source imagery. Um, I'm not going to say where anymore because yeah. copycats. But what I will say is that I look for an innocent face that is free from pop culture, but may have been touched by tragedy mm -hmm. in a way in a, in, a, in a country that is impoverished. Yeah. And but there's so much joy and love in that face, and I know it when I see it. So that is just in the work. And then we just um, 
we show us patterns all over. You know, I just go in, I just Google stripes or just Google. The other day, I mean, actually yesterday, I just started doing mid-century. And oh man, the most beautiful patterns came up. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be in my pictures and everybody's gonna think I'm doing works from the 50s. But and uh, I'm not, but it's this idea of, of, of warming the work up mm -hmm. and, and inviting you in for that, maybe that punch yeah. that I need you to understand. And maybe it's the, the black and white of the figures mostly, but it has a timelessness to it. So even if you're like, you know, using patterns from the 50s, mm -hmm. it, feels, it feels from the 50s, but it also feels like today. Okay. It also connects in, in my view to the history of photography, black mm -hmm. photography in particular. Mm -hmm. You know, like Roy de Carabas, mm -hmm. uh, photographs of uh, just, you know, kids in, in Harlem. Mm -hmm. So you're here in your studio and you're making work and the world is happening around us, right. you know, and especially how, you know, COVID is affecting people, how uh, police brutality is affecting black people. And, you know, with all the things that happened last year, including the multiple uh, marches for accountability, mm -hmm. like how, how much of that seeps into your studio? Oh, a lot of it, a lot of it. Um, at least four of the works that are in that show, maybe five dealt with, you know, the death of George Floyd in a way, the, 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 the protest, the movement, the ask, of people to see me as an individual, you know, worthy of not being shot in the street, of someone sitting on my face, you know, for nine minutes. Um, that exists in the work. And sometimes, like I, you know, I talk about things that happen in the news and it just hits me because it's just like, sometimes I just cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. Um, the nine-year-old little girl who was, you know, having a mental issue and was pepper sprayed, that trauma, she was already in, in a state of unrest. And, and let's add trauma to it, not care and love and compassion. Let's make it worse. Yeah. And, and those things um, that exist that I have to speak on, I have to do something. I have, I'm an artist of this time and this have, it affects me so deeply. I have to do it. And so uh, I'm one of those artists, I just can't shut out what's happening and go in my studio and create this 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 fantasy world. It's nothing wrong with that if that's your practice. It's just not my practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of artists deal with that uh, conflict of how to be present in making your work. Mm -hmm. Allowed to be an artist mm -hmm. without uh, too much of you know things swaying you, but at the same time, you know. I think for black artists, for female artists, for mm -hmm. queer artists, mm -hmm. there's always that extra because mm -hmm. the politics of the world right. can't leave you alone. Won't leave <laughs> you, you know, alone. it's like won't leave you alone. Yeah, I just want to be an artist. Right. But here's this world on my ship, you mm -hmm. know, like coming at me. Right. Right. It's you can't ignore it. It's too present. Right. And right. It's too much. Right. And we had like just recently we had. These superwomen saving the, the voting. You know, if it was for Stacey Abrams standing up and those women getting out to vote, you know, where would we be right now? Right. 
what would it look like with under a second term of Trump with COVID and and his idea that um, diversity makes white people feel bad. <laughs> Give me a break. Racism makes me feel bad. You know? <laughs> uh, what was the thing that someone said? Uh, this uh, pundit was mm -hmm. talking about how racism is uh, something that makes black people feel bad or feel belittled. It's like, are you ignoring the physical effects mm -hmm. of racism, the right. murder, the killing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're terming it as belittling or something mm -hmm. marginalized mm -hmm. even to that point. Yeah, it's it can be it exhausting. can be too much. I tell people <laughs> all the time it is so exhausting. You know, it's lots of work to be done and we have to do it. We are charged with the 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 act of doing. Mm -hmm. And um so we're gonna keep doing. Yeah. Deborah Roberts, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, I want to continue this conversation over time. Uh, Fantastic. Such, Love it. Such a privilege to be in your studio and uh, see the work that's underway and to see the work that you've already created. Fantastic. So, um, thank you for, for sharing these thoughts with our audience. All right. Wonderful. You know, thank you so much for having me. I always wanted to do one and I'm glad I, I got a chance. <laughs> well, I've always wanted to have you on the show, so this is... Uh, Double pleasure. I know. I'm getting a lot of Texas love. Thank you, everybody. That's okay, wonderful. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.